We back, baby. Welcome to Podcast Day. Each and every Monday, from hood to good, y'all know how we do it. Today ain't no different. Today, we got another genie on the line, and we're going to extract some practical gems. Veronica Williams of AllianceSeminars.org. If it sounds familiar, this is the one-two punch of episode nine with Darrell Williams. You can go check that out. It's in the links. But today, we're going to be talking about from hood to good for the ladies. You know what I mean? And I'm excited about this one. Grab your pen and pad. It's going to be real practical. A lot of info you can use. And you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. And I ain't going to talk too much. Let's just go right into it, baby. Yeah, yeah. What's going on, world? We back with another From Hood to Good episode. Your boy Ronnie Jack's holding it down. And we are going to extract some more of that energy. I got another special episode, special, special episode lined up for you guys. Well, I'm going to stop saying guys because it's women listening as well. Lined up for you listeners. Keep me accountable on that. We have Master Certified Life Coach, Keynote Speaker. Y'all might want to get your pens ready. Facilitator. Y'all might want to get your notepads ready. Specializing in CPR, which is Clarity, Purpose, Resilience, None Other. Straight out of Compton Part 2. We may call it that. We may not. Veronica Williams is in the building, ladies and gentlemen. Give a, give a round of applause for your, for Veronica. How you feeling today? Oh, hi, Ronnie. Thank you for this opportunity. I am feeling great. Mm, I love it. So thank you for joining us on this um, episode right here. And it's a lot that I really want to unpack. And the, the only way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. So let's take it from the top. I like to have uh, experts who come on here. Um, instead of coming from that guru perspective, can we know Veronica as a human, a little bit of your backstory? Because um, I, I know you're coming out of Compton or was born in Compton. You're from Compton. Can you tell us um, the human side of Veronica and not the guru side. How did you how did you come up if you don't mind sharing that? Yes, um, Ronnie, as you said, I am straight out of Compton. No byproduct of another state or anything. I'm out of Compton, California. Um, I grew up in a large family and I am uh, I have grown to be from a child, a child of God. Just a straight out. Compton Hood girl to be a child of God. Um, I love God. Um, he has been the center of my life since I was able to talk and, and recognize him, as well as um, he is the center of my being um, as to who I am and have grown to be today as a wife, a mother, a sibling, and um, a friend. Aunt, I have all these roles of people that look up to me and that I look up to as well. So, in a nutshell, that's who I am. I'm just me. Did I did I catch that right? You said you grew up in church, or how did the more spiritual part come in? I grew up in church. I did. My mother and father were um, faith based. They were Christians, and they that's one of the reasons why. Growing up in Compton was a little different for me and some of my peers because um, we grew up in a family, um, a home that um, believed in God. And um, 
was brought up with his values and principles that helped structure us not to really um, fall to the streets of Compton. You know, when I grew up, it was um, gang violence on the rise in the 80s, um, actually when I was younger in the 70s. And there was also um, teenage pregnancy and drugs. And to God be the glory, I did not do drugs. I did not get into games. And I did not become a teenage pregnant mom. But that was also as a result of the faith and trust that my parents had in God. Um, one thing my mom um, told me, told us or told the family is um, I'm from a large family of seven girls and four boys, and I'm number Ooh. seven as the girl. And my mother said, when my dad, when the girls start coming, he said, oh, I'm going to have to be on my knees praying. <laughs> but one thing that he truly prayed for that God answered, and that was that my sister and I, my sisters and I would not become pregnant um, young mothers in high school. Um, and for my brothers to keep them out of games and, and the streets. And to, that has happened. But in every family, you have a little bit of something, you know. Uh, we didn't have games. We didn't have um, um, the teenage pregnancy. But I did have one brother that was caught up in the drugs. But even with that, it was a deterrent for me and my siblings that we were more of a support to help him um, given that situation. But it was all as a result of coming out, being in Vietnam and coming out as well as the whole cults of all of that um, happening. Did you, did you say being in Vietnam? Yes, my brother was in Vietnam, yes. Oh, I had I two see. brothers that was in Vietnam actually. Okay, like war vets kind of went to the war and came back a little, uh, not as functional as, as they. Not went. as functional as they went in. And unfortunately, you know, my oldest brother, he didn't stay in very long. It was just a whirlwind, um, uh, very traumatic for him. You know, it was just a traumatic situation. And that's where I had to, that's where I learned to really um, build up my faith because I saw where my parents were in their faith and how we worked as a family unit to work together to um, to get the help that was necessary to um, overcome the traumatic experience in his life. All right, big family growing up. Reminds me a, a little bit of um, some of the friends, the female friends that I have, big family growing up, head on straight, not out here. Uh, just wowing. Let's just leave it at wowing. Um, can you tell us a, a little bit about the um, adulthood? Because I know even some people can get older and feel like they've missed out. Like, hey, man, I didn't get to have this fun. Can you speak to those people who may be like, man, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go to church. That's boring. I don't want to, <laughs> you know, I don't want to live right. I don't want to get married to just one guy. Can you tell us how you were able to kind of navigate those muddy waters, especially being from Compton? I'm from Brooklyn and I know how challenging it can get. But as a young lady, for our female listeners and even our male listeners, because I'm sure they could get something out of it. How were you able to kind of like navigate and steer clear of, of those kind of 
muddy waters. Okay, I like how you say that, muddy waters. Um, Ronnie, let me just tell you just how it was. You know, you grow up, um, you know, you have friends that get pregnant, you have friends that are in drugs, you have friends that are um, that uh, get into gangs, and these are guys and girls um, that are there. Uh, for my household, my family kept our faith being the root and the groundwork as to why we should not do those things. We're around them, but we had to learn how to live um, through the peer pressures. You know, uh, of course, growing up and there are peer pressures because you got the guys in the low ride cars that hang out in front of your school wanting to, um, you know, they're from high school, but they're they're hanging out at your middle school. You the know, hot boys. That's where they want to get you, right? Um, but, you know, I had friends that fell to that, but I knew that my mom, number one, wasn't going to go down like that. My mom was, uh, you're not going to do anything. And I'll just tell you, even when I was in high school, I don't really say that I had a boyfriend, although my husband and I went to middle school and high school together. I never really had a boyfriend. I was friends with guys. But my parents were so strict that even if I gave my phone number out, I can only talk 15 minutes. And when the 15 minutes was uh, when I was past 15 minutes, my mother would just come and push right back then. It was the dial, the rotary phone. Right. She just come push the button. And then I'm like, Mom, she's like, I told you 15 minutes. That was that was uh, 16. <laughs> I love so, it. so that right there, I know it wasn't going to be nothing cooking with me. Just as strict as she was on my my daughter, my sisters and my brothers. Um, I thought surely by the time she got to me, it would be a little, I'll have a little bit more wiggle room, a little bit more um, um, less strict parents, but they were hardcore from the first born to the last born. It was no getting out of it. So I actually grew up with a, with strict parents, but they were strict in, in terms of ensuring the best was for us, that we would live out our God given purpose, what God had called each and every one of us to do. Um, and that they they really took scripture to heart. You know, God said, raise up your children um, so that when they get old, they will not depart from him. And my parents did that, you know. And so for me, I I love God so much. I was actually a Bible scholar in Sunday school. Um, I was mentored in my high school years and my middle school years to become the church secretary <laughs> of Sunday school. I was the right. one that collected the money and was counting money and um, working in leadership, learning how to speak and be, you know, um, being asked to do the welcome and things like that. Um, I studied on Saturday nights. Uh, so, um, our Sunday school lesson for the following day. And uh, with my dad, you know, not even my friends whose fathers were pastors and um, who was probably also deacons as my parents were um, in church. But my dad and I on Saturday nights, we read the Bible. We read the lesson. We answered. He answered any questions that I had so that when I went to Sunday school, I would know I would get it. Uh, I would have some understanding as to what's being taught. Now, getting out of high school, of course, you have that dating life. Um, I had to learn how you learn um, from when you're young to middle school to high school to deal with peer pressure. So my parents, you know, 
uh, had instilled not only the fear of God, but it was the fear of them. So, <laughs> I like that. so that fear was like, I couldn't even ditch in high school. You know, everybody ditches and go off campus to school. I couldn't even ditch because I didn't know if my mother was going to be rolling down the street and then, you know, pull over, snatch me in the car and take me back to school and embarrass me, you know, so Right. That's how much fear it was. Um, and, and fear to have uh, promiscuous sex, um, so to speak, you know, um, I, I just was afraid to do that. I, I was afraid because, you know, my parents were uh, only come back and when I, and I went away to college. And one of mm. the things my mom said is, you're going away to college. Um, I'm taking you with no babies, and I'm, 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 when you come back, even on break, you better come, come back without a baby. You know, right. my dad yeah, that was like, familiar. yeah, yeah. And I lived in a dorm that was a co-ed dorm, and my particular floor was a co-ed floor. So my father is like, I don't know. You think we need to go ask them to give her an all-girls floor? You know, my mom, my mom was like, well, we'll just see how it works. If it don't work, you know. Um, but one thing he said, I'm, he said, I'm sending you, we're going to let you stay in this co-ed dorm on this co-ed floor because they don't have any more rooms on the all-girls floor. He said, but I want you to know, don't you have any of these boys in your room? He said, and one thing is they're going to come at you for doing their laundry. If they didn't learn it from their own mamas, it ain't your job. Right. And so that right there kind of helped me have bold confidence and to be able to say no. You know, not that people didn't come at me like that. I was like, I'm not into that. And even as I got through and it was like people knew, like even in, in my college years, um, our our college campus had a, um, a church where people went and then I had um, um, family friends that was there. Our, and so I would probably go over there some weekends and I would also go with them to church on Sundays. So that kind of helped me stay out of all of that. Even if I went out the night before to a um, a frat party or a sorority party, I still was home in time, just like when I was in school and, you know, living at home, that I went to church the next day or I would tell them I wasn't able to go or whatever. Um, but I just kept peer pressure at a minimum. I didn't, I didn't dress a lot of provocative ways. I dressed in my age group, but I didn't send mixed signals to guys that when I said no, I meant no, you know. Um, a lot of people don't realize dressing provocative is cute, it's sexy, it's flirtatious. But for me, that wasn't how I was taught and raised. Um, right. And so I didn't want any misinterpretation. Um, um, I did like, you know, guys and I did, you know, want to go out with them or whatever. But when it came to dropping me back off at, at home or at my dorm, we were at the end of that. You know, that that was it. I couldn't go further because my father would say, you know, my father was the type he wouldn't go to bed until you came home. So when the car rolled up, that means the guy needs to get out, open your door, take you to the door. And, and, and he would say this. And I learned this from my from my um, sisters. You know, he would say, let me tell you something. This ain't no kissing and loving kind of house. When he dropped you mm. off, 
it ain't no kissing nobody at no door because he ain't coming in here. He ain't gonna slip in here, you know. So that was the setup for me and in my adult life. Now, as you get got older, you do get into that biological, like, am I even gonna meet someone? Am I even, you know, is right. this the guy? But I got myself involved in things that did not allow me to fall into those things that were going to be temptations to lead me off of the path that God intended for me. Um, I went to a singles Bible study that it was a lot of single people, male and females, that was at this Bible study that got your focus off of whether you're going to find somebody or not. And um, the amazing thing about the Bible study, though, all kinds of people came. I was at a large church and it was a Wednesday night Bible study and the guys were coming because they, they heard about this church got it going on. They got a lot of single fine women up in there, a lot of women that are doing <laughs> some stuff, you know. But let me tell you, they would show up and we had the most phenomenal single pastor. He was great. When he got to the altar call, people, men, they were coming to the altar to accept Jesus Christ. But the thing about it is they would take out of their pocket joints. Yep, I know about joints. Marijuana? <laughs> Mar marijuana. <laughs> and they would lay it on the altar because they wanted to be delivered from that. You know, there was times where they was like, you know, he had this one guy talk. He said, man, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I came last week because a buddy told me that y'all had it going on with single women. He said, but then when you came and you preached the word, I was being convicted. I came this week and he said, and you know what? I, I, I came in. I was like, well, hopefully I could get the girl that I was sitting in front of to, you know, to go out with me. Right. He said, but I got so convicted that God told me to give you this. He took out his wallet and he had condoms there. And he, turned, he put his condom on the altar. So you can't tell me <laughs> that if it's meant for you, God would give you. So people were getting delivered. But then years later, you see these guys and they truly were sold out for God, but they got the right type of wife. But more than being the right type of wife, they became the right, they became the right type of man. So wow. I knew what kind of man I wanted. I knew what kind of uh, person I needed to be for the kind of man that God needed to have for me. And that was my life. Um, you know, when my sisters were getting married, I had an uncle that would always come. He was like, glad to meet you to my current brother-in-laws, right? But he never would leave without saying, where's Veronica's pre-fiance? He would always say, where's your pre-fiance? I said, uncle, he's around the corner. He's around the corner getting ready for when God is ready to send him. And I am getting ready for him. So when it's time, we're going to know that we're the one. We're going to oh. know that we're ready for marriage, that we're not prematurely getting ready for marriage. And we haven't gotten all of our little single itch out yet. You know, mm -hmm. uh, we got to be ready because we want to I want a husband that is going to really live a life for Christ. I didn't. I knew what kind of man. You know, a lot of women write this this list out. I didn't have a list. I said, God, you are my list. You send me who you need, who you need to be with me, because, God, you know all about me. You know, my my thoughts, you know, the things I need to grow into, you know, the kind of man that I'm going to need because I'm I'm really an introvert. Mm -hmm. 
But God's and, and, and he sent someone and I dated people that were Christians. I dated guys, but they never felt like the one. But when I met my husband, that's when I knew he was possibly the one. But I had to wait for God to give the confirmation. And I didn't try to tell him that because I had plenty of guys when I was dating to say, God told me you're going to be my wife. I said, well, if God told you that. Why he didn't tell me? So yeah, I don't you got think you're Right. How when I tap into the source every day and he didn't tell me you're the one, man, you ain't the one. So I say to women, don't get swayed by men, a man's talk, you know, and don't tell them your list because if you tell them your list, they're gonna do everything to work out that list. And then they still not gonna be fitted because they're not gonna be able to keep it up. They're not going to be able to be um, wh- who you say you wanted on paper, you know. Um, don't don't fall don't don't fall to those type of things. Um, and even for those that are unsaved and, and those that are saved or those that really don't have a religion or don't really want to, you know, they don't really know how life is really operating for them because they're not feeling that thing right now. I just say, just start a prayer life. Don't even worry about accepting God or whatever. Just start a prayer life and eventually in time it will come. Um, but don't, you know, don't just, and, and, and my caution is just because someone says that they go to church don't mean that they're really chasing after the Lord. They don't mean that they're really chasing after Jesus and his character and his demeanor and his principles and his values. You don't, you, mm-hmm. it's, t- it's not until you sit down and really have a conversation, uh, an honest conversation, an authentic conversation where you could talk about everything. Don't tell them, you know, you know, what I found over the years, even some of my friends, you know, one thing that I did not do is that when I did go out on dates, I wanted to get to know the person. You know, guys always want to ask the woman all about them and then we don't know nothing about them. I learned to reverse that. Tell me about you. You asking about me. Before I tell you about me, tell me about you. <laughs> you know, how many people have you slept with? Uh, are, are you trying to get married? Are you trying to just have a one night stand? Are you, are you just, are you, are you living life to the fullest? Are you just living life day by day or hour by hour? What kind of man do you want to be? I mean, I know we're all maturing. What kind of what kind of person do you want to be? What are your goals? What are you what are you looking for? Because see, I was on that path. So I couldn't pick up excess baggage that wasn't gonna be any good to me. Mm-hmm. I needed somebody that was gonna make my suitcase um full where we were both gonna be whole or learn to be whole together. So right, yeah, I see. Wow, like that. I got a lot out of that. And one of the one of the things I caught, if I could maybe keep it in chronological order, it was some kind of balance. There was definitely fear with that rod of correction. <laughs> <laughs> and um I, I like that um you you threw in there that train a child up the way they should go when they when they older. I I just say it in layman's terms. I can't say it everything verbatim, but when they get older, they're gonna do the right thing. And I love how that stuck. And I also love um, one thing I believe that's overlooked, and I, I, I just definitely want to mention it, is the importance of fathers um, 
guys, and I'm going to use guys intentionally this time. If guys, if you're listening, be that father role. It's a, it's a cycle going on. And as you can see, you are, you may not get nothing on Father's Day, <laughs> but you are definitely more important than um, you may, you might even believe. And I'm not a dad yet, but I am a son. So I can, you know, I can attest to that. And another thing you mentioned um, is your husband. You kind of had like this vision of who you wanted. You you said he was around a corner. I don't know if that was intentionally said literally, if you knew. But um, and there's another like fun question I I that you that that made me think of. But um, audience, you can go listen to Darrell Williams. From Hood to Good 101, you'll get the other side. So <laughs> you'll get the reference if you go check that out. Veronica and Darrell's words. We just want to um, clear the air here and maybe have a little fun at the same time. And Darrell's words. He scooped you like Tostitos <laughs> scooping uh, cheddar dip. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. Can you tell us from your perspective? Because I, I think that's important. Um, how you guys met. Some people I find tend to rush things. And you you said that you um you met in high school. We've heard the Rails uh, perspective as far as the scooping you like nacho cheese on the on the Tostitos roll. Mm-hmm. But can we get your perspective in, into that um into that whole like interaction? How did it how did it play out? Like what were you going through prior to officially linking? So, so Ronnie, let me just go back to piggybacking on um, train up a child in the way that they should go so that when they get old, they will not depart. And that is, you know, the principles and the values that you have. And I think what helped me, and I'm going to stick a pin where you were talking about, I guess I didn't have a void. And I wasn't looking for men to come in and scoop me up out of my parents' home or out of a dreaded situation or Whoa, I didn't anything mean, like that. I didn't mean to get Darrell in trouble. <laughs> he didn't say no, that. No, 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 no. I didn't say that. I know. But what I want to say is, no, I'm just saying that for women, you know, we just need to know that. Um, I think by having a father in my home and really having a relationship with my father, like, I was daddy's girl, but I was also daddy's girl that was empowering me to be independent, whether I had a man or I didn't have a man. He took, and I think a lot of women, the absence of fathers sometimes give women um, a void in their life that they're seeking for, for love in all the wrong places. And I think that might make me separate myself from others and that I had a father's love and I knew what it was like and I had a life from my parents as well. But the way that Darrell and I met, we were junior high friends and we were high school friends. And we um, both were Christians, you know. We met at our 10-year class reunion. Now, when I went to my 10-year class reunion, finding somebody from high school was the last thing on my mind. I had gone with a few girlfriends. We said, oh, let's just go ahead and get a hotel room. We'll stay over real so we won't have to worry about, um, you know, driving afterwards or whatever. But while I was there, Darrell had came up to our table 
while we were chatting. Um, and we all mingled, we all partied together and all of that. Darrell gave me a card. Um, and we went on our merry way. The next day was a picnic. We saw each other again. And um, we went on our merry way. Just, you know, conversation. It was about a year later when I had another friend call me and ask, do you remember Darrell um, from high school? You, you know, we saw him last year at the reunion. I said, oh, yeah, I remember me. So well, he's in town. Uh, a, a group of us are going to go out with him. Are you available? I'm like, no, I'm not available. I had an event that night. So, And this happened for like about a year and a half. And I was never able to um, I was never able to go out with them, but there was another time when she called me and said, he wants your phone number. Cause he, you know, I don't even know if I gave him my card that night or gave him my number. And that's how we talked, but we talked because we became friends. So our dating was about friends, um, a, a, a friendship because my list that I told you that I had, I was like, God, before I even want to think about marrying anybody, I just want to be his friend. I want to see, I'm a good friend to all my female friends and to my nieces and to my siblings. But God, I want a husband that we can have friendship because how many times do you go maybe to a movie or to a park and you see that 70 year old couple and they're still holding hands. And you're like, how do you get that? You know? Right. And I'm like, God, that's what I want. You know, there's people in my neighborhood, Lord, we we don't, because of what we've seen, we can, and um, we need hope that that can be happening. And I believe that that's what God gave me, an answered prayer through my husband. Now, I, I wasn't really ready for him when we got to um, the end of our friendship and it was switching over to him wanting to date me a little differently. And so we had spent hours on the phone. We were talking. I had somewhere to go. And I said, well, let's talk later. Let's, you know, let's table this conversation. It's great. But when I came back home, back then, we still had messages, right? Message machines. Up, um, and I checked a message and he had left me a message. I said, well, Lord, what was going on? We talked all day. You know, I said, I'm not calling him back for three days. I said, Lord, you answer in three days. I'm, I, I got to have to wait to the third day to see how I'm going to respond to this, right? And so mm. that's how it happened. But when I, and on that third day, I really didn't have to call him. He had called me. And so we talked about it, you know, what, and, and it was like, well, are you interested in going a little deeper? You know, I'm like, well, you're, you're on the East Coast. I'm on the West Coast, you know, as it is when we talk, our times are not. So how can we mesh this together? You know, but we talked about it and I, you know, I said, well, let me pray about it. Yes, I did say that. But same way a guy would say, you know, um, you know, whatever. That's just how I, I did it. I prayed about it. I really had to seek out counsel because that was going to take me from the West Coast to the East Coast. And I was a very um, close-knit family. You know, I had a very close-knit family. I had to learn how am I going to live life without um, being around my family every day like I, I was used to. But the more that I got to know my husband, the more that I became Came not only his friend and he looked at me beyond a friend and we became um, our friendship grew into um, 
I guess you would say love, loving one another to a point where we still was growing, still doing what we needed to do. He was taking trips to the east, to the west coast. We were still trying to figure out how this thing would work. And ultimately, uh, we got engaged. And um, through that, uh, after that, we got married. But prior to getting married, um, I tested him in this way. Because I one thing about me is that when I wanted to get married, I said, I always want to go through marriage counseling. You tell a guy that today, they ain't no way trying to go to no counseling. Number one, they don't want nobody to tell them that they're not the one for the person that they they proclaim they want to marry. And number two, there's like, you just got to take me for my word. I'm going to be who I say I am because you already have seen who I am. Right. But Darrell was interested in marriage counseling and we did it with my my church. And he came and we spent time doing it. And um by doing that, it, it, we get to learn more about each other. I, I would suggest marriage counseling, marriage coaching, because the um, person will get to stuff that you won't normally talk about on, on, a on a normal basis with someone. Because we don't get deep and we don't get past the surface talk in relationships. And so that's what I wanted. I was like, Lord, I don't want surface talk. I like you. You like me. I'm in love with you. You're in love with me. Let's get married. We'll, you know, whatever. I was like, I want to go deeper than that because marriage is a lifetime um, commitment. And when I say I'm, I do to somebody, I don't want to say I do today and then tomorrow you don't maybe. like me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I tomorrow, might. maybe. I do right. and then I might. Right, right, right. <laughs> Uh -huh. well, one thing I and, and and a part of that is that this is the light, you know, when I was dating and dating guys and getting to know them, they couldn't get with that. You know, one thing um, I learned about myself, even with dating, is that guys felt like I was too much mater uh, marriage material. They didn't want to date me. You know, I don't mind going out and hanging with you, but I ain't trying to get serious because yeah. you're the type <laughs> of girl that. You, I can't just date you. It's not going to be platonic. You're going to want to get real deep. You know, you're going to want to get, I ain't trying to get married right about now. I'm still in my 20s. Uh, mm -hmm. I haven't gotten all my, my plan out. You know, I'm not only dating you, but I'm dating five other women. I, 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 and I'm not sure you're the one. And that's just the real deal about life. What do you say about that, Ronnie? Mm, no, nah, I mean, first, I got to say thank you <laughs> for clearing that up. <laughs> And Darrell, if you're listening, jig is up. I thought you scooped it like nachos, man. What happened? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just having a little joke. I love it. Um, yeah, like you, you um mentioned some things that I, like I would like to dive into. Um, first of all, apparently you scooped Darrell. Let's just clear that out the way. <laughs> but um, you you said something that like, well, actually, if I could go back a little bit. Uh, Darrell shared some wisdom that I'm sure you, you like you kind of touched on it a little bit, but I, I want to ask if you could dive a little deeper. He um he recommended our listeners to instead of looking for the one, become the one. And you have this quote that that I that I like 
um, that's geared around women. Because when Darrell said it, I received it as a man, you know, as, as a male, a person who identifies as a male. But you have this quote, and I'm just I'm going to say it as close to verbatim as I can. Um, it, it, I am not whole unless my sister is whole. And can you tell us a little bit about the background of that? Like, what does that mean for you? And what do you recommend that means for like your sisters? So, Ronnie, how I got to that is back in 2000 and I don't know, 2003, I was teaching a women's a Saturday women's Bible study. And in that study, this particular day, I can't even tell you what the topic was, but I do know that every woman there was broken. And the Bible study that I was teaching was about um, um, being whole. I believe that's what it was about. And as I was teaching, um, and I, there was a lady that was sharing, and I heard God say to me, I am not whole unless my sister is whole. And what that initially, I thought, oh, that means me to go help my six sisters, right? They're older than me, right? But it was an encounter that I was having that every woman that I meet who is just like me, they're my sisters. And I'm going to meet all types of women who have various walks of life. They've come out wounded. They've come out broken. They've, they have anxiety. They have stress. They have insecurities. They're in abusive relationships. They're, um, they're, they're married to someone who's not really who he said he was, you know, um, they're, they, they had communication issues, relationship issues. And God was like, Veronica, you're compared to these women, you have modeled what I want women to be. And that is to be whole. And so you're to help every woman that is broken, every woman that has some insecurities, every woman that has had a man tell her she don't mean anything to him or he has devalued her. I have to go right behind them and pick my sister up. And I'm to tell my sister, you have value. You have a voice. You are who you you got to know that you are um, wonderfully and uniquely and wonderfully made that beyond this man that he doesn't make you, but there is a God who looks down and looks low and he sees how broken you are and how uh, wounded you've been, not just from your, your growing up years, but and how your past has kind of developed into being even worse in your adult life. But how do you pick up those pieces, broken pieces? We are all like a puzzle. Uh, every area of our life is a uh, is putting a puzzle of life together for us, a whole puzzle together. So we tend as women to stay in the broken places. And as women, we can sometimes beat a woman down because of what she's gone through and no thought of her own. And so because I had my own mentees through my mother, through my sister, through my grandma, my grandparents, my godparents, my older friends um, who also labored before me to get me to where I was, I was, that was what my role was. And it was strictly for them, it was the women that were in the church that come here broken, that come here wounded. 
and don't have hope and don't know where to get it from. And it's my role to help those women to become who God say that they are. And that's where it became, I am not whole unless my sister is whole. You know, whether they were dating, they were in marriages where, and that, that day I was never the same because I was like, God, I thank you for where you got me. That the the stuff I'm hearing, Lord God, I'm thankful that I didn't go through all that in my life. And I don't want it to, and I want to learn to be transparent, but I also want to learn to have empathy and see my place, see myself in those women's shoes so that I can help them because they needed hope they needed empowerment and not only that they needed to know that if there is these men and family members and everything else around you may reject you but God never does he will take you just the way you are you know we tell people we invite them to church and we say come you, you girl you don't have to wear the right clothing and all of that come as you are that is a true statement, but what he's really saying is come as you are in spirit because I can heal your spirit that, and I heal from the, in your heart. I come from the inside to heal so that when you're on the outside, you don't look like you've been what you went through, you know? And so right. that's my world. That's my role. That's my life. That's my passion. Um, that is what I do. I just love to be an encourager. I love to help women figure out their life. I help them figure out the broken pieces of their puzzle and how let's just take it one section at a time, whether it's your career, whether it's your personal relationships, whether it's your children, whether it's divorce, whatever it is, I help women figure out that piece of their puzzle one section by a time. Yes, yes. I'm loving it. I'm loving because as you share your entire story, well, not your entire story. It's a lot more that we haven't touched up on that that I'm aware of. But um, I don't I don't even know if we'll have time for it, but we just going to keep flowing with it. I'm hearing um, a lot of a lot of great decisions, a lot of great guidance um, to kind of avoid that statistic figure. And you also said another quote that kind of aligns because I. What I'm really getting is I really admire and look up to people who not only live, not only talk the talk, but walk the walk. Did I say it right? I hope I talk said it right. Talk, well, uh, guys, only the talk. Not only talk the talk, but walk heart. the walk. <laughs> right, there you right, go. Right. You got it. Y'all feel my heart. So um, you, you, you have something that you say, um, your destiny is determined by the choices that you make. Now. Um, from I, like I, as I was doing my due diligence, I, I saw that um that you were able to connect by becoming even more transparent by not by stepping out of the guru, taking off the guru hat and putting on a human hat. Can you kind of touch up on from your experience? Because I know you do coaching. We haven't spoken about that much. I know you um encourage others, ministry a lot. But can you touch up on, like, from your experience, some of the maybe not so good choices you've seen made that you might have made? And how would you recommend people begin to fix those choices? 
Yes. Um, Of course, I was not perfect. I did make some choices. I made choices. I made wrong choices in selecting to go out with certain people that I probably shouldn't have gone out with. Um, I made some decisions that probably led me to go down a longer path somewhere. But one thing I would like to encourage people is about mistakes happen. And when you talk about the destiny, is that one thing about it is, um, even if you're Let's look at mistakes as storms, right? You know, something that just happened in your life and and, and now you got to pick up the pieces and you might have to go a little harder at getting out of it, right? So another thing that I like to say and one, one thing that I learned even in my challenges, even in my, 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 my bad mistakes, whether it was um, selecting, making wrong choices, wrong decisions, because we do, that's just life. But, you know, the thing about it is, you know, people could tell you not to do something, but sometimes you have to go and you have to have those those experiences for yourself. But what I learned that even when I got to go through those experiences myself, and I hope I can encourage somebody is that you're only in your storm as long as you allow yourself to be in it. What I had to realize is that, Veronica, you're not alone. Find the women around you that you know that have gone through something like this. Or pray and ask God for some people around you that are there. I had to go to my village and I had to let them know that I messed up, that I needed help. I had to go to a place where there was people in my life that were positive and that impacted me in such a way that they that they also made mistakes but yet they didn't look like they made them because they they had a way of they they had to they they went to their village and they got the help that that was needed and that's the same thing that happens with me and that is you know place people in your life that make positive impacts um instead of you know the negative withdrawals you know go around the people that are going to help lift you up and encourage you. And that's how I put my myself in other people's places. I might not have did everything that you've done, but I've done some stuff where I had to go and, and, and reach out to the positive people in my life to get me back on track. Um, I had to, you know, I didn't make wise decisions. So I had to go to people that gave me wise decisions, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, just learning how to balance life, you know, how to how to get through life, life, uh, tumultuous times. Um, so I just want to encourage people that you're only in your storm for us as long as you allow yourself. And what that means is, is that seek out the help, seek out the resources that are available to you. But for me, I had to rely on my my my, my main source. <laughs> you know how people say, "Oh gosh, that's this is my main my main thing." You know, this is my main man. Main man. Yeah, this is my main thing. But my main man was God. And so I had to go to him. I had to ask for repentance. I had to ask him to show me the way back to getting to where he needed me to go. Um, thank God I wasn't too off score, you know, off 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 faith and I wasn't too off uh too drawn into my situation that I couldn't realize that there was help available whether it was people programs resources or whatever um so that's what it is and that's what it takes you know And, and 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 so I learned also that 
the misery that I might have or the misery that, that, that I'm in or, you know, that I've learned that your misery, it produces your ministry. And that's what gets into your passion. That's what gets you Love into, that. that's what catapult you into your life purpose. That's what catapults you into getting clarity and empowered. It, it's, it, it, in your storm, women, men, when you, the stuff you're going through, find out how that can empower you to get to what your, what your purpose is. Find out you and realize that what you're going through, it's not really just for yourself. Because you're going to meet somebody else that's going to encounter the same thing. And you're going to be a witness to tell them that for me, I lost a child. I don't, I can't tell you how many women I've met when I was the first time I spoke up to tell people that I had a miscarriage. It was someone that came to me and she said, oh, I'm so glad to hear your story because for 24 years, 24 years ago, I lost a baby and I never had another child. And I was mad with God. But your story gave me hope that I need to ask God for forgiveness. And I need to ask God to show me what that meant, losing that child and what it was supposed to do for me. And that's what we do. Everything that we go through, everything. It is to catapult you into what your life purpose is, but also is to help the next person that you meet that may go through your storm. Yes, yes. I love that your misery is your ministry. It's a lot of power in that. And I'm really encouraged and reminded to, um, first, you got to know you're doing bad. <laughs> You got to be aware of it because if, if you walk in barefoot and got glass getting in your foot, but don't know it, uh, maybe that might have been not the best analogy, but just to be aware and, and asking for help. So I, I hope you listeners caught that. And man, time flies when you're having fun. Um, I know you run a business, not just a business, it's actually... A solid business is something that you're passionate. Is it more business or ministry? What, what would you say? I would say it's business and ministry because it's, 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 it, it, it just intertwines. But most importantly, it's to it's a uh, it's alliance seminars coaching. Um, it's a veteran-owned faith-based organization that help our clients and even organizations. Um, we're getting personal and leadership help. Um, it, we're, we're here. I mean, if you hear my passion, that's how much I want you to, to um, get the help that you need. Like you said, you got to know that you need help. But we help in relationships. And, you know, relationships aren't perfect. And I don't know why people, we all have like, oh, you know, they're perfect. Relationships has things that go on. But what happens is um, they're not perfect, but they can be healthy. But both parties have to be on the same page to want to get the help that's necessary. Both parties have to mutually love one another and mutually want, want the marriage or the relationship to, um, to, part, to, to, uh, to be successful and to, um, to thrive 
in the way that it needs to. Even when you, I, I like to say hiccups. <laughs> Even if you have hiccups, it doesn't mean that the divorce is it. It doesn't mean that, but it, it means that we have an issue here that's unresolved and we need to go and get the help. Because what you and I are doing right now, it ain't working. But there's people out there, there's resources out there that can help us to get back on track. And I happen to be one of those people, along with my husband and online seminars coaching, to get couples back on track. And it's okay. And we do it without judgment. We do it with love. And we do it with patience. Because anything that's worth having is worth working for. And relationships take sacrifice. Sacrifice not to bring in old, old baggage that, that, that never worked anyway in any of your relationships, <laughs> but getting right. rid of those and taking on the new things that are going to help them to be healthy. Mm, so just a reminder, y'all might have heard it before, Alliance Seminars Coaching. I'll leave the link in the show notes. Definitely check it out. It's a solid one-two punch male perspective female perspective, head on straight, elevating your life, setting up that trajectory to go into the proper direction, or at least the direction that you would like to, if you haven't have been doing already. Um, and I, and I would add this, I would add, you know, uh, a lot of people, you know, we set goals in our careers, professionally, individually. Uh, when you meet someone, you guys need to have goals together. That's, that's when you find out if you're on the same page or not. Uh, Mm. You know, um, we all look good when one of us is doing well. Um, but but we we but together we can look good together and our relationship can thrive. Mm, yes, indeed. Common goals, commonly yoked. Um man, we're approaching that hour. I hate to just let you go, but I got I got one last question. Well, I Actually, I got two. I, I'm having like a deja vu moment right now. <laughs> but um, I guess both of them are kind of fun. We'll get the um, we'll get the uh, we'll get the more serious one, I guess. It's more I'm using air quotes, serious one out of the way. Um, you said something that I really enjoyed, and I took my takeaway from it was the importance of self care. And uh, can you just tell us what your personal self-care routine looks like how does that look for you yes I take care of myself um mind body and soul and so I have a daily devotion that I do um I, and that is reading my bible and um seeking God in prayer um I do those are like that's like a daily thing um, because that helps everything else in my life. Um, but I also set boundaries in my life for other people um, to not come in and wipe me out, <laughs> you know, all that I work towards. Um, and then I also, um, I like balance. I balance. I do take time for myself. I take um, being married, you know, your wife, your mother, um, I do ministry outside of just the business itself. So I take at least once a month to just do me. I go up. I, uh, it could be a Saturday. It could be a Sunday. It could, it could even be a midday week where I just call in to work and just do me. You know, any, any specific places? 
Um, not specific places, but what I do like to do, I like to go get a manicure, a pedicure, a massage. Um, I like to just go sit at the beach, read a book, just walk, just hear the waves. Um, sometimes I've even, even when I was single, I would just go get a hotel room just for myself. Yep. Check in a hotel if you can afford it. And just spend time with yourself. Enjoy the amenities at the hotel and just spend time with you because a lot of people get married and they don't really know themselves or they find that they lost themselves. But when you go into your relationship authentically being who you are, you can't get lost in that. So the things that you enjoy doing that helps you to stay balanced and and equipped to handle life, um, you have to keep those things up and maintain them. Yes, yes. That um, you can't pull from an empty cup. I like that. You can't. But guess what? Mm-hmm. If your cup is not empty and it has overflow, you give the people the overflow, and you look down in your cup. You still got a lot for yourself. So it's mm-hmm. good to just help some other people too. Absolutely. So, so not just an empty cup, but what about a full cup that has that is so much in there that it has overflow. The overflow is for others, and that that remains in the cup is for me. And I don't even lose a whole lot because not a whole lot is done is um is is um is um spilling over the cup. It's just a little bit. It's a little bit of your time. It's a little bit of listening. It's a little bit of encouragement. It's a little bit of just sharing with someone else that you mean something to me. Uh-huh. That you are loved because a lot of people need to know about being loved. Um, the voids that you have in your life, let's just sort them out. Why do you have them? Where do they stem from? Where did they start? Now, how can we get rid of those and start building up who you really want to be from that point? I love it. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Veronica. This has been another banger. <laughs> Super jam-packed. I hope you guys had, uh, well, I keep saying guys, I'm trying to remember to be uh, to to and be inclusive. Um, hope you guys got notes. I'll leave. <laughs> I'll leave some good stuff in the show notes. I got one last question, and it's been it's been it's been on my brain f- since forever, since I spoke with your husband, great gentleman. Um, he mentioned something that I thought was amazing, and it kind of spoke to leading by experience. It kind of spoke to that uh, mentorship attitude that 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 I've seen. Um, as far as you going to like a youth retreat or something, and the weekend you guys dressed alike. Who um, idea was that? Yes. <laughs> who who idea was that? What was the reasoning behind that? Well, you know what? It was interesting because even dressing alike, it started even in our dating. You know. We didn't talk about um, what color we were going to wear. Like one day he would come pick me up and I just happened to have on maybe say blue. He got to my house and he had on blue. So it looked like we were dressed alike, right? Mm -hmm. And it just filtered in that way. I packed my bag that weekend. He packed his bag and we didn't know that we packed the same colors. We just happened. It just happened that way. But that's when you know you're in alignment and you're in sync with one another. 
Um, and so we just said, he said, well, uh, he didn't even really say, what are you wearing today or whatever. I just took out blue, went in, got dressed. He was already dressed and he had on blue. So it just happens like that. You know, um, we, there are times when we took pictures and we said, we're going to wear the same color scheme, but it just sometimes naturally happened. Um, and people picked up on that more than we picked up on that. But it starts unity. So even from the beginning of our relationship, we were being becoming in oneness and didn't realize that that's how God was really operating in us to become oneness and to show people that not only are, is our relationship showing it how to do it God's way, but who we are and what we are is showing unity. And um, if, if, if he's meant for you and you're meant for him, it's just going to happen just like that because God is a suddenly God and he can do it. Um, and he's a God that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could think or imagine. And don't forget the comma there, according to the power that is within you. I had God's power when we were dating. My husband had God's power when we were dating. And that power together was the force that allowed us to be in oneness and in unity. Um, and that's how we ended up dressing the light. And that's how the pastor on that retreat picked up on it with us and said that we're showing these young people something that they don't get to see at home because they, and the thing about it is Darrell and I, we can relate to the young people because we are from the hood. I don't mind telling people I'm straight out of Compton. You went to the movies to see straight out of Compton. You, you saw boys to hood. How about I lived it? How about I lived it? That movie you can see it and kind of put yourself there, but how about I lived it and I came out whole and I came out with my life and I'm thankful. I'm very grateful for that. And people yeah. can do it. It may not be Compton, but it might be what you say, Brooklyn. Everybody, it might be Baltimore. It might be DC. Every state is has a hood and there is hope and there is promise and there is um, a way out. We don't, we just don't have to remain where we are. Mm, yes, I was, I was going to ask, well, I'll, I'll still ask you because it, it, seem, it sounds like you answered it, but I, I want to um, be very uh, precise, laser focused on this, on just this last question. Thank you for your time. I know we're running a little over right now, but if you could speak to the, those uh, I asked Darrell the same question, maybe similar. If you could speak to those who might have lost hope, might have given up, might have been ready to throw in the towel, or just don't even have that vision to even be aware that they um, that things are better. They, they, the grass is greener where you water it. Can you speak to those people who like just need some encouragement or something, uh, even if it's women in particular? You know what? It's men and women. I would say that um, we don't know what it's like on the other side. We don't, but we know what it's like on the side that we're on, right? And it may not look good. And so we just have to take a risk of faith sometimes to go through, to go and do something bigger than us and bigger than, um, than what we can see ourselves doing or envision ourselves to do. Um, and it's when we get to the other side, we can see that that's where hope lies. That's where um, 
um, change lies. Um, I would say, don't be afraid for the change. You know, it is easy to change. It is, it's not easy to change, but I think you just have to be willing to want more for yourself and for others, whether you have family members, children, whatever. Um, that's what it takes. Um, I couldn't envision myself being on the East Coast. But what I did realize is that I was on the West Coast and hooking up with somebody on the West Coast wasn't coming easy as far as leading me to marriage or prosperous relationship. So when my spouse came, or my husband came around, I had to be open. But one thing I had to learn is that be open to the plan that you're that surrounds you. Be open. For me, it was being open to God's plan. What I wanted for myself probably was just to remain on the West Coast. But what he showed me is that there was something bigger than the West Coast. There's a whole nother side of the country of the United States that can really give you more fulfillment. You know, um, it's good that you want to remain where you are and, and allow the people there to to benefit, but there's more than just the people that are in your circle that can benefit from what you have. I just say give have hope. And hope, you know, is a is a word that we use, but I want to say it in a way that dream big and realize that your dreams are not dreams that just happens when you close your eyes and they go away when you open your eyes. It's pursuing those things that you dream about and taking every step that is necessary to get to it um, because it can happen. Just dream big. Go for the programs yeah. and, and go for the programs and the resources that would get you to your dream. And don't think just because you you um, cannot see it that it was not it will not happen, because God works in those things that are impossible. And I just say, grow in your faith, um, grow and be strengthened in your faith um, to know that where you are, you you don't have to remain. Um, even for teenage pregnant women uh, mothers women that are um, older singles and you found yourself pregnant or whatever, that baby doesn't stop you from reaching your dream. That baby helps you to go and get what you want because it's the motive. It, it's going to motivate you to get what you want because you want more for the baby that you have to raise. And you want the baby to see that just because I had a, um, a situation come up in my life that I, I got pregnant in the midst of I was doing well or didn't know. It doesn't mean that I can't finish my education. Just find the village around there that will watch the baby while you go to college. You know, right, right. Um, you're, 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 you're single and the guy didn't, wasn't with you and just find a better job to help you pay for that and, 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 and seek out the resources that give um, single mothers uh, scholarships to go back and pursue their careers and uh, education so that the baby won't be, um, it's not a mishap, it's a 